Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks. This is your host, Danielle. Today, we have a special episode focusing on tips for visiting the cherry blossoms in Washington, D.C. Cherry blossoms are a sign of spring and may be found in several sites around the city, but are most iconic around the Tidal Basin, which includes National Park Service sites, the Jefferson Memorial, Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial, FDR Memorial, among others, and the Washington Monument is across the street. There are ranger-led programs and a Cherry Blossom Junior Ranger booklet where kids or anyone may earn a Junior Ranger badge. It can be overwhelming since hundreds of thousands of people flock to the city to see the blooms. My guest Linda Samuel of KidFriendlyDC.com shares her tips for seeing the Cherry Blossoms and some of her favorite Cherry Blossom Festival events. Before we get to the conversation, we would like to ask for your help to grow our audience by telling your friends, subscribing, and leaving a review. Also, we love creating each episode, but it takes significant time and effort. Please consider supporting our work through Patreon, which provides a way for listeners to support the show. Just go to our website, everybodysnationalparks.com, and click on Support the Show. Now on to my conversation with Linda Samuel about the cherry blossoms. Hi, Linda. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Danielle. Thanks so much for having me. So, Linda, we were talking offline. I was telling you how I lived in D.C. for eight years with my two small children, and I discovered your website early on. And thanks to KidFriendlyDC.com, my girls and I had the most amazing experience every day that we were in D.C. because you had so many amazing ideas and it was just the go-to to check out for me to see what was going on in the city. That's so nice to hear. Thank you for telling me that. <laughs> so whenever I have friends visiting D.C., I always tell them, check out Kid Friendly D.C. so you can see what to do when you're there. Oh, well, thank you so much. You're so welcome and a big thank you to you. So how did you start Kid Friendly D.C.? Kid Friendly DC was kind of born from a lot of things. I had stopped working full time after my son was born and I was doing some freelancing and I shouldn't mention my background is in publishing and media. And when I'd stopped working, I had been at the Discovery Channel full time and I left that job to be home with my son and I was freelancing for a while. But then when my daughter was born for about the first year, I'd stopped working altogether. And then when I wanted to get back into it, I kind of needed to find a way to show what I'd been doing and to sort of showcase my skills. And I decided to start a blog. And then when I was thinking about what the blog should be about, I started to think about, well, you know, what are some things that I'm passionate about? Or what are some things that I would like to give to other people? And what have I been doing? And what do I feel like I'm an expert on right now? And that was doing things with my kids, because that was sort of what my life had been like for that time. And so I started talking about things, you know, activities to do around the city and things that we had done. And so it sort of brought all of my skills together and my passions, you know, writing, editing, doing some photography, and also my kids and my love for the city. And it was able to bring a lot of things all together in one place. And also I wanted to do something that gave back to my community. And so I did that. It was sort of a project to start and a way to kind of maintain my professional identity. But then as I started sharing it on social media, it kind of caught on and it just kept growing. And soon it sort of became um, more of a full-time thing. And then after a couple of years, I realized I could really turn it into a business. And so I just took it from there. That's amazing. Kudos to you. Thanks. Well, that is so great. 
now it's starting to look like spring and it is definitely one of my favorite times of year in Washington, D.C. Mine too. My kids and I have our traditions that we do around the cherry blossoms, which mm-hmm. I'll share with you. A couple of months ago, my daughter did a little project for about cherry blossoms for school. And so we did some research. And so I thought I would just share before we jump into how to visit the cherry blossoms in D.C. That's our theme for today's conversation is how to minimize stress while visiting the cherry blossoms. So um, the symbolism of cherry blossoms, they're a very symbolic flower of the spring and a time of renewal and the fleeting nature of life. Their life is very short. After they peak around two weeks, the blossoms start to fall. And during this season in Japan, people like to have cherry blossom parties with friends and family. So that is the symbolism of cherry blossoms. And most people know that the cherry blossoms were a gift from Japan and symbolize friendship between our two nations. But there's more to the story. And I thought I would just give a quick little overview of that. And in doing this research, I always wondered myself what people think of the cherry blossoms around the tidal basin. But there are little pockets of cherry blossoms all around the city. And I was always wondered. I never wondered so much as to do research about it. But while I was visiting, I thought, how did cherry blossoms end up in Kenwood, Maryland? Or why are they at the Arboretum in different places? Anyway, starting off with a little bit of the history and how they came about, there was a woman named Mrs. Eliza Sidmore. She visited Japan and was convinced that Japan's cherry trees would beautify Washington, D.C. And so she advocated for them for more than 20 years to get cherry trees to D.C., There was a man named Dr. David Fairchild, who worked for the U.S. Department of Agriculture and was a plant explorer. He imported some cherry trees from Japan and planted them on his property in Chevy Chase, Maryland, to test their hardiness and see how they would do in the D.C. area. And they did very well. And his friends and neighbors wanted some cherry blossoms for themselves as well. And that's basically why there are cherry blossoms all around Kenwood, Maryland now which I thought was very funny. So in 1908, Dr. David Fairchild, he also gave cherry saplings as a gift to children from each D.C. school to plant in their schoolyard for the observance of Arbor Day. And that made me think about times when I was at, you know, around schools in different areas of the city, just walking around with friends and you would see like a random cherry tree here and a random cherry tree there. And so there you go. That's why. And then the first gift of trees was in 1910, but unfortunately they were diseased and had to be burned. And a second gift of cherry trees came two years later in 1912. That was 3,020 trees and 12 varieties. And First Lady Helen Taft and the wife of the Japanese ambassador planted the first two Yoshino cherry trees on the northern bank of the Tidal Basin. And those two trees are still there today. You can see a large bronze plaque that commemorates the occasion when you go and visit the Tidal Basin. And that was the start of Washington's renowned National Cherry Blossom Festival, grew from that very simple ceremony. So the Yoshino cherry trees were planted all around the Tidal Basin. The cherry trees of the other 11 varieties and the remaining Yoshino cherry trees were planted in East Potomac Park. And that was another thing. 
I go every year, but I never realized how many different varieties there are. So there are 12 different varieties that we have here. And in 1965, Lady Bird Johnson received another gift of cherry trees, which were planted around the Washington Monument. So that's why they're over there. And in 1997, in cooperation with the United States National Arboretum, cuttings were taken from surviving 1912 Yoshino cherry trees from that second shipment to ensure the preservation of the tree's genetic lineage. Now there's this constant exchange whenever we need more cherry trees or Japan needs more cherry trees, we exchange with each other because Japan and the United States have that um, original lineage from that first gift. And so we can replenish as trees die or we need to um, plant more trees. So I thought that was very interesting and wanted to share that little bit of background. So let's get into it. Can you tell us about the Cherry Blossom Festival? When is it? And when do we know when the cherry blossoms will peak? When should visitors visit? So the Cherry Blossom Festival actually starts in a few days. It's running this year from March 20th through April 13th. And it's a huge celebration of the cherry trees and our friendship with Japan and all of the things that you mentioned and what, you know, what the cherry blossoms represent, you know, their fleeting time here. And, but mostly it's about the trees themselves and the friendship with Japan. And there are a lot of events during that time that the public is welcome to attend. And they're all really fun and really fantastic. And there's a lot of family-friendly events among them too. But the peak of the cherry blossoms is predicted to take place from April 3rd to 6th this year. And in past experience, I could say, though, that date often changes, you know, um, in the weeks leading up to it. So far, it seems like it's going to be on track because there's no major weather predicted. But there often could be some kind of, you know, late or early spring storm or something that kind of throws the dates off a little bit. So those could change. So the best time to be here is obviously when the trees are peaking because it really, really is spectacular to see it then. But anytime during the Cherry Blossom Festival is a great time to be here too because there's so much great stuff going on for people to enjoy. And how do you monitor to see if the dates are still on track? If I am flexible and can come this weekend or next weekend and the weekend after, depending on, you know, if I'm not in D.C. and and I'm flexible with my travel, (laughs) how would I know if that date is going to change? So there is a website called cherryblossomwatch.com where you you can check on it there. You can also go to the, um, I think the National Cherry Blossom Festival website also follows that too, but Cherry Blossom Watch is the one that I usually follow. Great. So what are some of the signature events for the Cherry Blossom Festival? So it always kicks off with a big event the first day. So that's on March 20th, but that sells out very early. So that's a hard one, you know, for people to go to. But one of the biggest ones starts on the first weekend of the festival and the Cherry Blossom Family Festival that takes place at the Smithsonian American Art Museum. And it's just a day full of fun activities and, you know, a celebration of the flowers. And it's really family friendly. It's a great way for families to spend their day. There's usually opportunities to make art. There's always live entertainment. And then there are often tours of certain exhibits um, among the galleries that highlight Japanese art or or not Japanese art, but like anything that might have to do with, you know, or be connected to 
uh, cherry That blossoms. is one of our favorite events. When we lived in Washington for many years, we would go there every year. It is a very crowded event. So I recommend that people get there early and yeah. then leave when it starts to get insane. And just know that your kids are not going to get to do every single craft. You know, if they get to do one or two, that's great. But the lines right. get very mm-hmm. long. And the performances are spectacular. We just love it. So I'm sad we will miss it this year, but I highly recommend that event too. It really is fantastic. The taiko drumming performances are always so cool and really fun, you know, and kids definitely love to view that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, sometimes we usually would go there, go straight to a craft, you know, do a quick scan, pick the one craft that the kids really want to do. And maybe they could do something else. I'll stand online or we would just do that, get that out of the way. And then we just skip the rest and just watch the performances because they're so wonderful. So some of the other uh, signature events or ones that are your favorites. So one of my very favorites is the Blossom Kite Festival. And this one takes place on the National Mall, and it's when everybody is just welcome to come out and fly a kite around the grounds of the Washington Monument. And it is it really is just an extraordinary sight to see. There's all different kinds of kites of all shapes and colors just flying around through the air. There are some organized events as part of it. It's, there's sort of competitions going on, but anybody is welcome to come out and bring a kite, any kind of kite and fly it and it's just there's something about the whimsy of it I guess and sort of the the playfulness of it that is just really really fun and it's just a really nice relaxing day down there at the mall I mean it does get crowded but you know you're just outside in this big space and it doesn't really feel like it's chaotic or hard to do Um, I think probably just getting down there is the hardest part but if you're in biking distance that's a really great way to go. If you can get on the metro, that's an easy way to go. But um, that's probably one of my favorite Me too. events during the whole uh, Me too. festival season. And uh, yeah. if you don't have a kite, you can buy a kite there, but they do sell out. So if you need to buy a kite, you should also do that <laughs> early. Yeah. And then they also... Yeah, you could. <laughs> I don't know if they do this every year, but we've made kites there as well. So they have crafts for kids. And again, those things, they do run out of supplies. So you'd want to do that early as well. Yes. Yeah. There are tables that are set up where people are welcome to come and make kites. But like you said, everything always, you know, supplies always goes fast. So it's good to get there early if that's your intention. Right. And then you can just completely avoid the crowds and just enjoy and watch the kites. You don't have to, you know, it's a big enough ground. You can sit anywhere completely away from the crowds and uh, still enjoy it. Yeah, it's still, it's great people watching and kite watching experience as well. For sure. Yeah, that is definitely one of my favorites as well. Yeah. Uh, now, what about the National Cherry Blossom Parade? So the National Cherry Blossom Par- Parade takes place on the last weekend of the Cherry Blossom Festival. And, and it is a great parade. I, it's probably one of my favorite parades. You know, D.C. has several parades throughout the year, and that's probably one of my favorites. There's something about it. Maybe it's because it's in the spring and everybody's just in a really good mood. And there's just a lot of, it's really fun. A lot of people go out for it, so it does tend to get really crowded. And that's another one you have to get there pretty early for to stake out your spot on Constitution Avenue. It's a really fantastic parade. I actually have never been to that parade. I don't know why. It's just never 
our timing has never worked out. We haven't been in town or whatever reason. <laughs> Someone's been sick. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We've just never made it to that parade. Oh. Um, so do you have uh, suggested locations of uh, best viewing spots or really anywhere on the parade route? I think anywhere on the parade route. I mean, wherever you can really find a spot, it, it probably tends to um, be most crowded closer to right. metro spots. You know, people get off the metro and then just sort of walk up to Constitution Avenue. But if you can stroll a couple blocks further, you probably can have a little more space and then maybe get a little bit closer to the street so that you mm-hmm. can get a better view. And what is Sakura Matsuri, if I'm saying that correctly? I don't know. So that is a Japanese street festival that takes place the same day as the parade. And it just takes place one street over on Pennsylvania Avenue. And basically a few blocks of Pennsylvania Avenue are closed off and it's a celebration of Japanese culture. And there are all kinds of festivities going on. There's live music. They have traditional food. There are opportunities to do crafts. There are vendors there selling all kinds of wares. And it's a really fun day. It gets very, very crowded. So that's just something to be aware of while you're there. But it's really festive and it takes place on a nice day. It's just a really great time to be out there and catch performances here and there and just walk, stroll around and see all the vendors and see all the different kinds of exhibits along the street. That sounds great, too. I That is also another event that I've never been to either. <laughs> we sort of have our, our tradition of the things we do, and um, I've always looked at it and thought about it, but have never made it down. <laughs> I think a lot of people do that. Once you determine what your favorites are, you want to make sure you get to those every year, and so sometimes it's hard to fit in everything. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot going on. It's hard to do it all. Uh, so um, do you have any other favorite events? There's also the Anacostia River Festival. And then beyond that, I am not very familiar with the other events besides that. Yes. Yeah, so the, the Anacostia River, River Festival has become the closing event of the whole Cherry Blossom Festival. So um, it's kind of a way to get people over to, you know, the Anacostia River and get them aware of what's going on over there and, you know, they're, trying, they're starting to do some more development there with the um, 11th Street Bridge Park. And so it's a way to kind of get more people involved in that and showcase the Anacostia River as well. And so there are a lot of different events for people there. Um, they have canoe tours. There's often a bike parade. There's a lot of games for families. And, you know, it's just a, a fun, relaxed day over at Anacostia Park. And another great festival or, or another great event, I should say, is it's called, it used to be the Southwest Waterfront Festival. Now it's called Petalpalooza and it takes place at the wharf. So Petalpalooza, I mean, the wharf is fairly new. I'm not sure if you were still living here when they developed it, but um, it just opened a couple of years ago and it, it's fantastic. It's beautiful. There's a lot of great eateries down there. There's great music down there and they host a lot of really, really great events uh, for families and for, for all ages. And this one, it's so what used to be the Southwest Waterfront Festival is now Palooza. There's several stages with live music. There are activities for kids. They do giveaways. They do, um, there's a beer garden for adults. And it all ends with a huge fireworks show right on the river. And so that's definitely going to be a well-attended event. 
And it starts to be really, really, really fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. I did get to the wharf before we left, actually. Um, not for any events, but... Um, oh, great. It's a good place for a date night. <laughs> I don't know if my kids made it down there. I remember uh, we had a date night over there. <laughs> right, right. And there was also the the seafood market is over there, which yeah, is always fun. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So they've done a beautiful job down there. And I bet fireworks just look spectacular over there. Something else that is now part of the festival is our tech houses, um, digital exhibits every year or starting last year, they did a cherry blossom themed exhibit in the spring and they're doing one again. And this one is called in peak bloom and their exhibits are just really, really cool. They're all digital art and they're interactive and this, you know, these cherry blossom theme, or anyway, last year's cherry blossom themed exhibit was really, really beautiful. And they're doing one again, and it's going to open this week on March 20th. And I would highly recommend trying to get over there sometime while it's running because their exhibits are always spectacular. Yes, we did that last year and it was so much fun and really special. Now, just yes. a note where most of these things that we've talked about already are free you know, unless you're buying food or something like that, but attendance is free. Art House is on the pricey side, but, you know, if you're budgeting and you're doing all these other cool things for free, maybe you can spend the money on it. It, it is, it's pretty pricey, but really, really cool and very fun. Yeah. If you're looking to do something special, a little splurge, that's what I would recommend. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. We, we absolutely loved it. We thought it was so cool. So I definitely recommend that. Now, some of these things that I'm sure there's more events and maybe we'll circle back. But since we mentioned a couple that are kind of off the beaten path in terms of, uh, you know, people may not be familiar with these areas of town. How do you get to Art House and how do you get to the waterfront for those events? So my recommendation is getting there by Metro. During the cherry blossom season, driving is really, really difficult in D.C., a lot of people come in to see the cherry blossoms and I mean, traffic just slows down in general as people are sort of driving around the tidal basin and stopping to even just get a glimpse of them as they're driving by. And it's sort of a ripple effect around the city. Everything just sort of slows down. And so it is difficult to get around. It's difficult to park. So I would say if you can take Metro, that's probably the best way to do it. If you can't, you know, I would even suggest getting Uber or Lyft because it's probably easier to do that rather than have to worry about trying to find parking. But if you live in a city and it's easy, getting around by bike is a great option. Capital Bike Share has bikes, or if you have your own bikes, that's a great way to get from place to place as well. But I, I would say if you don't have to drive, try to avoid it. And also city bus is always a great way to get around. Public transportation is is probably the best option. Right. Yes. It is such a traffic jam. So metro or bike is really the best way to go and staying off the street. And then of course, walking. We've done Lyft and Uber many times just because it's not the Tidal Basin or these other places. It's not like the metro is right there. It's a walk from the metro and my kids would be so exhausted by the end and we would do a car share. But it will take a long time. So make sure you don't have to be anywhere (laughs) at a specific time or leave yourself a lot of extra time because it'll take a while for the car 
to get to you or for you to find the car. And then it will take a while for the car to get out of that mess. <laughs> yes, yes. Make sure you give yourself time. Well, there's so many great events listed on your website, kidfriendlydc.com. And you just go to the post that says the best activities for families during the 2019 cherry blossom season. And you update that every year with the latest events. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are there any other events on this list that you want to just highlight? Of course, people can come and read this. But are there any other ones that you really love and want to share with us? Well, I haven't been to it, but um, there's going to be a Japanese culture day at the Library of Congress. And I think that's going to be really, really nice. The Library of Congress is one of my favorite places to visit in D.C. I think everybody should make a stop there. I don't know if people realize just what an extraordinary place it is. I mean, it's just, it's stunning inside. The interiors are stunning and they have exhibits in there to see. They have a reading room for children, but um, in this case, they're going to be doing a special day of activities um, in connection with the cherry blossoms. There's going to be craft making. There's going to be a program about the Japanese life and culture. There'll be some drum music and dance performances Um, instructions on the art of tiara making by former cherry blossom princesses, lessons in origami art. There's going to be all kinds of things to do. And, you know, I think that the Library of Congress is a great place to do all of these things because it's just such a beautiful building itself. So that's one that I might try to go to. And that's also on March 23rd, the same day as the Cherry Blossom Family Festival that's at the American Art Museum. So if that one seems too crowded, people might think about going over to the Library of Congress instead. That's a really good point. And I probably should have Mm -hmm. done that last year. And I remember thinking, oh, which one to go to? And I asked my kids and, you know, they chose the one at the um, American Art Museum. So, So we did that again. But I think they've been doing that Library of Congress event for a couple of years now because I definitely remember it the last two years at least. Yeah, that's a great recommendation and a great way, a reason to get over there. Even it's a beautiful place to see as well. And also, if you have small children, you know, if you're going at a different time of year, they have regular story times in their in their children's room. The librarian. They do every every Friday, every Friday they have story time for kids. Every Friday. Yes. Right. I'm sure I read that on your on your blog long ago <laughs> before my kids were school age. Okay. So unless there's any other events that you want to highlight, it looks like the Hirshhorn Gallery of Art now has, or the Hirshhorn Museum rather, has an event as well, which I've never noticed that before. So they've, they've only um, in the last couple of years started doing these story time programs for children. And I guess during the Cherry Blossom Festival, they're going to be sort of themed around the cherry blossoms and you know I think there's one on here it's about trees growing and so they're going to relate to the cherry blossoms in some way okay and so that's going to those take place on Wednesdays at the Hirshhorn and there are a couple more during um, I've highlighted one here and there will be a couple more during the festival I don't know you know I don't know what the themes for those are going to be but I know that this one is going to be tree themed Okay. And then I see there's an event at the National Arboretum as well. Have you ever been to their cherry blossom event? I haven't. So this is something that's, um, I think, just started in the last couple of years. It's something special for kids where they can, I think that they can learn how to create flower arrangements. And this is geared specifically towards kids. Right. Older kids, though, I see ages 10 to 13. Yeah. So I just, I wanted to mention that because the National Arboretum, I don't think 
most people do not know of its existence. Even if people live in D.C., they don't know about it. And um, visitors, for sure, probably don't know about it. And it's just one of my favorite places in the D.C. area. I go there, well, not anymore because I'm far away now, but... I agree. Me too. I used to go there every fall to see the leaves changing. I love to see the bonsai trees with their foliage colors. I always would go to see the azaleas. Oh, the, oh yeah, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I would try to get there also to see the cherry blossoms there as well. So um, I just love, love, love the mm-hmm. National Arboretum. But that is a place that is definitely not too easy to get to without a car. That you need to take a car to. Right. So I, I am with you on that. The National Arboretum probably is my favorite outdoor place in all of Washington, D.C. In fact, in my best places to spend a beautiful day outdoors with the kids, it's my number one spot. And um, it's kind of, it's a go-to for our family if we're all just hanging out, you know, what should we do today? A lot of times we'll just hop in the car and go over there because there's so many different areas to explore and it's just so beautiful. And there's all these little hidden things like gazebos and, you know, there's the um, the children's play area that the youth garden there. And I mean, it's mm-hmm. just such a lovely, lovely place to spend a day. And I have to say too, I am always shocked when people who have lived in DC for years, I know people who've lived in here for lived here over a decade, who've never been there before. And I'm always so surprised when I hear that because I, I think I was going there before I actually lived in DC, you know, when I still lived in Maryland, um, because I went to school in Maryland, I knew about the Arboretum and I, it was one of my favorite places then. So um, I think that's a place that everybody should know about. Yes, I agree. Hands down. Sometimes I would, mm-hmm. I love taking my kids there. I would love wandering by myself there with my camera or just going for a run <laughs> there too. Mm-hmm. And then also another mm-hmm. thing to note special there is uh, the eagles that nest there. And so yes. around the azalea time, there's a webcam on the eagle's nest that's just on the edge of the gardens with the azaleas. So that's yeah. another fun it's, um, thing. Isn't it fr- freedom, freedom and Liberty? That's right. right? That's the name. the Eagles? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, so we've talked about all these amazing events. We've talked about um, other places to see, uh, which, well, we just hit the surface of that. So let's just get down to the Tidal Basin because that's what people think of when they are coming to D.C. to see the cherry blossoms. Mm -hmm. They think the Tidal Basin. So what are your recommendations to get – we talked about using the metro. Are there best times to go and what to do when you get down there? So I think if you can swing it, you should go on a weekday. Um, The weekends are just – so crowded. I mean, you can't even really picture how crowded they are. They, it just, it really gets hard to walk sometimes if you really want to make that loop around the tidal basin. And I have to say it is such an iconic experience of Washington DC to stroll the, the tidal basin when the cherry blossoms are in bloom. It, it is, it's a really cool experience to see them that way, but it does get just so, so crowded. So I would say to go on a weekday and if you can, to go say early morning or kind of evening time, it just tends to get packed with people, you know, during the day, especially on the weekends. So 
you know, these are, these are just some recommendations. Of course, you know, a lot of people do want to spend, you know, the weekends out and about. And so if that's the only time to go, you can do it, but you know, you should just be aware that there's going to be, there, there will be crowds there. Right. Yeah. I would love last year, I rode my bike down there early in the morning, dropped my kids off at school and went, Mm -hmm. hopped on the bike and went down and there were only a handful of people. It was spectacular. I brought a, some breakfast in my backpack, brought my camera, and just spent hours. <laughs> it was amazing. So I that sounds perfect. <laughs> early morning, because even in the, mm-hmm. you know, as the sun is setting, there's still a ton of people there. So there are, yeah. There so are. Um, early morning is definitely my favorite time, and I've, I'm trying to remember if we were ever successful. I always thought you know, bring the whole family down, just, you know, wake up and and go. And I think we did do that once last year. And then my kids, there was a day of the week where they would get out of school early. And so we would always go to down to the cherry blossoms when they had their early dismissal and do the paddle boats, which were also one of our Mm -hmm. favorite things. And that's something that you should reserve online. Same with Art House. If you're yes. doing, if you're going to see that during the height of cherry blossoms, you should buy your tickets ahead of time online with the the reserve time, because that sells out as well. Yes. So our routine used to be doing the paddle boats at some point during peak time. My bike ride early in the morning and mm-hmm. uh, watercolors. We would go down and just. We never would make it around the whole the whole tidal basin. We would usually make it around halfway or so and find a place to park ourselves and take out our watercolors. That's just our annual tradition. And then also another thing that we always love to do, and people may not think of this, is earning a Junior Ranger badge, the Cherry Blossom Junior Ranger badge. It's such a nice booklet. Have your kids done it? They have. Um, yes, they did. They did do that when they were younger, and that's something that's really good to mention. That's it. it kind of gives a little bit of purpose, you know, to their visit down there too. In you know, instead of just walking around and looking at them. Yeah, it really it gives some history. It explains the whole uh, cycle of the cherry blossom. Lots of great activities in it, mm-hmm. and poetry. You know, teaches the kids about haiku, and my kids have done some wonderful haikus with that as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I just love that. And the badge for anyone listening who uh, has kids that does a lot of the Junior Ranger activity books. This badge is wood. It's a wooden badge as opposed to the plastic badges. And so it's a really nice, it's a really nice badge for the kids to earn. How about the Potomac cruises? Is that something that your family has ever done? We have. And these are a really great way to see the blossoms without having to deal with the crowds. And it's also just, it's kind of um, an activity in itself. It's just doing something different, getting on a boat and cruising the Potomac. And, you know, it's fun just to sit back, relax, and, you know, you get a view of the cherry blossoms, not just, you know, you, you don't just see them um, at the tidal basin, but you can get to see them in places all along the river. You know, there are several planted uh, on the other side along the GW Parkway, and sometimes you see them in East Potomac Park near Haynes Point. So there are a lot of great options, you know, for taking a cruise 
Um, there's several companies that offer rides. And again, these are things that you should book in advance because these tend to sell out too. That's something also I regret never having done while we were there. And I think we're just going to miss cherry blossoms entirely this year. We have plans to be in D.C., but it's a few weeks off. And uh, I just don't think we can get there, sadly, this year. Oh, <laughs> I know I'm a little crushed, but uh, it'll st- it's still nice to be in D.C. in springtime anyway, even if the cherry blossoms are over. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> another thing that I love I wonder if you've done this too. There are other places to see them. We've already talked about mm-hmm. the National Arboretum. Um, Kenwood, Maryland is just a neighborhood that you can drive around. And people also bring picnics and their cameras there and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's also cherry blossoms. Obviously, the Washington Monument people know. The Capitol grounds has some. And there is one, maybe more than one, by the Hirshhorn Sculpture Garden. I like walking by there as well. And one of my favorite things with the kids as well, they love it, is to go to the Smithsonian Castle Gardens. It's called, I've actually never known how to pronounce this garden, the Enid Hoped Hoped Garden? Hoped Garden, yeah. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it either, but it's H-A-U-P-T, yes. Right. So that's the garden that is behind the Smithsonian Castle. Mm -hmm. Um, not on the mall side. It's on the Independence Avenue side. And there's just beautiful magnolia trees lining both sides leading up to the castle. And hitting that when the magnolias are in bloom is just wonderful. And to the side, the garden extends, if you're looking at the castle, to the left leading towards the Freer and the Sackler galleries. There's this weeping cherry blossom I don't know if you've ever seen that, but that's another one of yeah. our favorite spots. We would always get off the metro, go there, take some pictures, maybe do some watercolors over there as well, have our picnic, and then we would walk over to the Tidal Basin. So uh, that's all of our traditions that we would do. <laughs> oh, that's, they sound lovely. But there, there are also some places that aren't around the mall, you know, to see the cherry blossoms. You know, we mentioned the Arboretum and Kenwood, but... Dumbarton Oaks Gardens there have um, a whole hillside of cherry blossom trees uh, or cherry trees, and you can see the cherry blossoms there. And that is one of another one of in Georgetown. This is in Georgetown, and this is another one of my favorite places. Um, this is a garden of a historic house, and they are just some of the prettiest gardens that I've, I've ever seen. They're they're so lovely to tour. They're kind of magical and they're sort of hidden. And in the springtime, you can go see the cherry blossoms there. And then also Brookside Gardens, which is out in Wheaton, Maryland, has a nice collection of trees, too. It's a little bit of a drive from D.C., but, um, you know, if you really, if you want to get out of the city and use the trees where there aren't so many crowds, that's a good place to go. Oh, those are good tips. I've been to both of those gardens, mm-hmm. but never in cherry blossom season. Mm-hmm. So um, I I didn't know that. That's great. Well, yeah. um, so... I, I have two more questions. Uh, what is your favorite thing to do with your family or what do your kids enjoy most about uh, the cherry blossoms? So we always make a point of getting, we do try to get down to the tidal basin every year. I think that, you know, it's just the iconic, as I said before, the iconic DC experience. And so we usually do a, an early morning bike ride, probably the same as you do. Um, you know, where we live within biking distance, we're on Capitol Hill, so we can bike down there 
pretty easily. And so we always try to do that. We try to make the Blossom Kite Festival every year. That's probably all of our favorite events during the cherry blossom season. You know, now that my kids are getting older, sometimes uh, soccer schedules don't always allow for us to make the events, but that's what we, what we try to do. And we often get over to the National Arboretum at some point and we, to see the trees there. <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds very similar. So my very last question, uh, we ask all of our guests if there is one moment or one experience that stands out in your mind regarding the cherry blossoms that is just special and wows you. We know that mm-hmm. the cherry blossoms are very special. People all over the world think they're very special. But do you have one particular memory that you can share? Oh, gosh. Oh, um, I, I can remember having one just really, really fantastic day. We'd gotten together with another family, um, good friends of ours. And, you know, just the kids were really little. I think, you know, my daughter was probably two. And, um, you know, we did, we strolled around the tidal basin and we just spent a lot of time around the monument. And I, I just remember our our kids like standing under the cherry trees and, you know, the petals sort of like, you know, a wind blew and the petals sort of, you know, falling around them and just seeing like the joy on their faces and not to sound cheesy or anything, but, you know, to see the joy on our kids' faces as all of this beauty was, you know, surrounding them was, was really, really lovely. And I, that stands out as like a particularly wonderful day for us, you know, with the cherry blossoms and yeah. uh, But, you know, we've, we've done, we've had a lot of, really nice memories. You know, we've made a lot of really nice memories during this time. I mean, at the Blossom Kite Festival, you know, I can remember when my son had his dragon kite and, you know, he was flying it around the monument. That was a really great day too, you know, and then sometimes we just drive down the street and, you know, we'll go, we'll drive by Stanton Park, which is on Capitol Hill and that's filled with cherry trees. And they're, just always bloom spectacularly during this time. And sometimes I'll just drive by and my kids will laugh at me because I'll say, Oh my God, you just look at this, look how beautiful this is. And you know, they'll, they'll just, they'll just start laughing at me and talking about how ridiculous I am, you know? So, but you know, these, <laughs> that sounds like me. Yeah, I do, I do it in thing. the fall too. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so glorious. Exactly. I can't believe that nature makes it never gets old. Yeah. It never gets old. So. Well, I thank you so much. You provided just a lot of great information for people wanting to I check out so. the cherry blossoms. And so check out kidfriendlydc.com and, you know, just go with a sense of humor and patience and you will yes. enjoy it. Linda Samuel, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. While there, consider clicking on support our show. You may find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. If you like the show, write a review, give us a five-star rating, and please tell your friends. You may also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or send us your comments at everybodysnationalparks.com forward slash contact. We love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag everybody's national parks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now. <laughs>